Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. This is part two of You Asked For It. The first week, two weeks ago, we looked at who created God. So if you're going, man, I want to know that question, you can listen back to the podcast uh, or you can look on Facebook and, and see you know, the answer to that question. We really dove in there. We're going to dive in today. And so this is like one of the things I'm most passionate about is this question today. And so the question was this, what is the difference between... Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior. And I think the person who asked that question is actually here this morning. And so this is a, you might think, well, that's, that's pretty easy. Well, I want to unpack it this morning, maybe in a way that we haven't looked at it before and just give you a different perspective um, that, that I even challenged me as I was putting this message together. And so first, let's look at this. Let's look at Jesus as Savior. Everybody say Savior. 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 Okay, so what do, what do we think of Jesus as Savior? We, we know that he came to save. And, and let's look at this. In the book of Luke, it says this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to what? Save that which was lost. That which was lost. Okay, so how many of us have ever been lost before? Okay, how many? I, I don't know about you, but, you know, as a guy, come on, dads. We've been lost. We don't like to admit it, you know. I'm stubborn. I, I know where I'm going. When my wife tells me to turn right or turn left, I, I just look at her and I say, you know, I do that when you're not in the car too. And uh, I, maybe it's just me, but I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. You know, that's a red light. I'm, I'm glad you told me that because that's a new thing for me on this road. I haven't, <laughs> haven't seen that before. Um, I love you, dear. You know, and uh, every time she does that, she interrupts me while I'm eating my bowl of cereal in the car. And uh, kidding. I'm not eating, I'm texting, it's all right. Um, Or making YouTube videos. We were all lost though. Every single one of us was lost and and it's that time where we lose something and everything that we have that's found, it almost doesn't matter. Like it does, but you're really concerned with that lost thing. Like you go after it, you search after it. In fact, we read in the Bible that Jesus says, if there's a pen of sheep and you look at him as the shepherd and there's 99 sheep and one of them gets lost or the Bible says goes astray, that Jesus will do what? He will actually leave all the 99. He'll leave us to go after that one that is like struggling. He'll, he'll chase after it. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope to know that Jesus loves lost things, lost people, because we were all lost. We were all lost at one point in our lives. And when you lose something, you focus on it more than anything else. Now, I want to date myself for a little bit. My wife and I recently turned 40. Now, some of you are going to follow this. Some of you are going to have a real, this is going to be difficult for you to imagine. Um, playgrounds used to be fun a long time ago, okay? And, and uh, I want to bring you back. Don't, don't put it up there yet. I'll tell you when to put it up, Levi. But uh, um, how many of you remember the McDonald's playgrounds, not the indoor ones, the outdoor ones that were actually fun, you're kind of creepy, dangerous, yes. Danger, I love danger, okay? But the, the fun ones, you know, like the creepy McDonald's creatures out there that you'd like sit in, you remember those? You know, and like the, the, the steel slide that would burn your booty, you know? You know, remember what I'm talking about? 
Okay. How many have no idea what I'm talking about right now? All right. Okay, you're all younger than me. And so if you remember, I grew up, the first McDonald's I ever went to was on 242 and Highway 65. How many remember that playground? Anybody remember that playground in the back? Okay. A few of you do. For the, the, the rest of 98% of us, let me show you what it looked like. I found a picture when I was Googling. Here's what it looked like. How many of you just like traveled back in time? Like... You know, you're there, right? Okay, so, so I have, there's a reason I'm showing you this. And uh, th- this is actually the one that used to be on 242 and Highway 65. Uh, I think this is even before my time because we didn't dress like that. And uh, I, I remember going in that thing, though. You remember, like, it felt like a little jail. It was just crazy. And uh, if you remember the bars, when I went there, the bars were actually black around McDonald's. Now, I got a chance to go here with my cousin. So it was my dad's sister his they have three kids and we were there together hanging out and my cousin is like he's that crazy cousin you have that like, crazy cousin that was just like the super risk taker he'll do anything he'll he'll you know the biggest cliff he'll jump off he's just nuts everybody's got that cousin if you don't it's you all right and so and and so what we would do is while we were there we would i mean we'd go on top of the slide you know climb we climbed up the slide and Slid down the ladder. Just weird stuff. Well, he decided, Matthew was his name, he decided to go up to the bars on the outside because the playground wasn't cool enough and he actually stuck his head through the bars. Some of you are like, I've done that. <laughs> he stuck it through and it got caught. And so he was like trying to like force himself in there and he didn't want to tell his mom and dad. And, and so he's like, Christopher, because that's what they call me. I ran over to Matthew and, and I'm like, like lifting him up by his legs, like trying to like yank him through, like tuck your chin, bro. Like, like you gotta just yank you through. And he's like, you're going to pull off my neck. You're going to pull off, you know, and we're really young and stupid. And, and it wasn't working. And so we like get mom and dad and that doesn't work. We get the managers and they take like the oil, they cook all the stuff in. They rub down the things, you know, and try to slip him. It's not working. Now his neck's like getting bigger. So no joke, eventually we have to call the fire department to come over. And they actually, they took this little piece. Maybe you've seen it before. But it like put it on in the bars and they like cranked it so that the bars went wider. And he slipped his head right out. Okay, so um, anyway, that's, it used to be fun. It's not anymore. Here's my point. Matthew couldn't save himself. He couldn't do it. Okay, he was like stuck in there. He was like trying everything. I mean, he was like, I was baptized as a baby. I got confirmed. I go to church. I'm the biggest giver. I do all this. And it just wasn't working for him. He's like, I can't do this by myself. It doesn't absolutely work. And so a savior is one who saves us from all these different things. It's one that saves us from destruction. Because if we would have just left Matthew there, which I wanted to do, actually, after a while just to see what would happen like in a week or two, you know, like here's a hamburger, buddy, you know, like just, just feed him, you know, what would happen? It'd be kind of funny. I have a sick sense of humor and uh, he probably would have starved or gone, you know, crazy. But what is it that Jesus saves us from? It's not obviously bars at McDonald's. He saves us from destruction. What does that look like? Well, there's a few different things. One is he saves us from eternal destruction or hell, however you want to put it. Um, you know, if we don't know Jesus Christ, we don't receive eternal life. It's, it's a simple message. Um, that, that is what it is. And so when we don't know him, we're not saved by him. So he's our savior in that way. He saves us from ourselves. Thank you, God. Okay. All right. We can't, we can't do it. He saves us from all of the different, you know, fleshly ideas that we have or the sins that we make or that we do. He also saves us uh, from the 
he gives us the power to overcome temptation. Anybody here ever been tempted before? If you haven't, you lied. But the word of God says he won't tempt you beyond what you can bear. And he'll always offer a way out. Okay? Now that's not saying things will get difficult at times. That's not, you know, no, things will get harder than you could possibly bear. That's what Jesus is for. But he'll always give you a way out of that temptation. He saves us in that aspect. So the, the old phraseology that you heard your grandma and grandpa say, well, the devil made me. It's not true. The devil can't make you do anything. God allows the temptation, but then gives us a way out of the temptation because what is he doing? He's testing us. He's testing our hearts. He's seeing where we're at. That's what he's doing. And then he, he also saves us from the evil one or Satan, the devil, however you want to put that. And then he saves us from destruction of ourselves, of things around us. He keeps us safe. He protects us. He is our Savior. But the most important aspect of him as Savior is this. And and I know we're a life-giving church, so this might not sound life-giving, but I want to speak truth to you as well. The biggest thing that he protects us from is actually the wrath of God. What? Okay, let me just explain that for a moment, because here's why. You have a perfect God perfect creator of the universe that made absolutely everything and and he cannot because he is perfect within himself have anything that's un imperfect i don't know about you but i'm imperfect and so he can't look at me he can't do it he can't the only thing that my imperfect junk deserves is death destruction hell and to be killed to be completely annihilated because the wrath of God is both a balance of justice, love, and mercy all meshed into one. And so he loved us enough to look at that and go, there's a problem. There's this huge problem. We've got to figure out what to do about this problem. Well, what did he do? He sent, and you know, he sent his son, Jesus, to save us. In fact, the thing that I really love about this is now that he looks at us, he doesn't see us but he sees his son. When he looks at you, if you have said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, when he looks at you, he no longer sees the imperfect you. He sees you right standing with God, not because of anything you did, but because you've accepted Jesus. He sees the son in you. Let me show you. Billy Graham did it better than anybody else. This was his illustration. And, and I love it. I have shared this on napkins with people. Steal this, take this, use this, share this. I love this. Take a picture of this. It's so great because without that cross in the middle, you have this huge gap between us and God. And the only way for us to bridge that gap is through the cross of Jesus Christ. I love this. Give Billy Graham all the credit because he, he's the first one that ever coined it him and trademarked it. And nobody can do it better than Billy Graham. I mean, come on. So that's, uh, he's awesome. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 4. Though. Let me read this to you, verse 12. It says, and there is salvation in no one else. Well, wait a second. I did good. I did good enough. I got to figure out. For there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So it's, again, it's that equation. Jesus plus nothing equals absolutely everything. There's no other way. I've tried other ways. I've tried it the world's way. It's, it's really fun, but it doesn't work. It's fun for a while until you feel empty. And it's like, man, if I knew Jesus, if I had him, then I would be saved. And so if that is him as savior, then what does it mean that he is our Lord? And this is where I want to camp out kind of this morning. Uh, 
here's, this is where it gets really crazy because Jesus saved us from our sins. You're still being saved and someday you will be saved. So what does it mean if, if he's our savior? That's great, Chris. Now, I, you know, I, I'm, I got my get out of hell free card. That's Jesus. I've got it. I'm, I've saved. I'll give my life to Christ. So now, what it, now what do I do? What, what is this Lord thing? And so this is the part that's really fun in this question. I'm so glad somebody asked this. Lord in the New Testament, here's what it means. It actually means teacher. It means God. It means superior in all authority. Like, there's no greater authority when it's used in the New Testament. And so when we serve Jesus as Lord, we are saying, technically, Jesus, you are our master, okay? You, you're our, we, we bow down to you. You are our master. Whatever you say, I'll do. What if that was our prayer life every morning when we wake up? Jesus, whatever you tell me to do today, I'll do. I was here this morning very early just praying for the church and that was my prayer. God, whatever you say, I want to do. What are the risks you have for us as a church? I want to take. What is it that you want to do? Why? Because I'm serving him as Lord. He's Lord over my life. He has all authority. I'm completely and utterly sold out. Everything in me is for him and my life is for him. If, if he really, really, really loves us and wants the best for us, then won't just, just, speaking philosophically, then wouldn't us listening to him be the best? Let me say it again. If he really loved us, then wouldn't us listening to him be the best? Yeah, absolutely. And so how do we listen to him? How do we understand him as Lord? Well, he's the one in whom we have to surrender. We all have our thoughts. We all have our dreams. We all have our, our bucket list items. We have all those things. And every time we have to surrender him to God and say, God, what do you have? What do you want? What's, what's your list? Here's my list, God, but I want your list. Romans chapter 12, it says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I tried until I was the age of 17 doing it the world's way. When I, be, when I was 17, I asked God if he was really showed up. I, I, I was at a church service, you know, di- a little different than this. And I said yes to a relationship with Jesus. At that moment when I was 17, I knew him as Savior. The age of 17, the age of 18, the age of 19, the age of 20, and the age of 21. I had no concept of what it meant to follow him as Lord. None. None. I was like, man, I got saved. You know, it's all about grace. It's all about love. It's all about joy in the Lord and the Holy Ghost. What I didn't realize was I hadn't came, I hadn't come to this place of surrender. There was still stuff and, you know, there, there was pornography in that day and a bunch of other stuff that I was just like, couldn't, couldn't figure out because I hadn't yet surrendered it. I hadn't yet followed Jesus as Lord. I was like, I believe, so I'm going to the happy place. But it wasn't a happy life yet because I still was trying to do it the world's way. When we give our lives to Christ and we surrender to him, what happens is this renewing of our mind, not on our own accord, but through him. He starts renewing it. He starts going, why don't you think the way Jesus thinks? And it's different, you know? Like, like let me give you an example. Anybody here ever been just ticked off on the road when you're driving? Okay, 
I have an idea for you if you're a Christian. This is what I came up with, right? So, so here, I had an idea because there's many times I want to show that other person a really cool looking bird, okay? And uh, this side got that. This side, the bird, by the way, um, it's, it's this finger. And, and what happens is, uh, I don't know why, because God created this finger. I don't know how it came to be that this finger represents something else. Uh, when, when it's pointed up by itself. And so uh, uh, there, there are moments where I have received that, even waving outside or driving the church trailer when we used to have it. It was really cool to receive that. And uh, not at all. And so I was like, how do we be a Christian and still like get our frustration out? And so I came up with this genius idea. You tell me if you like it. What I would do rather now, if they cut you off or anything, and by the way, if you haven't had an issue yet, um, here in Minnesota, just go to California, go to LA and drive the 405. I guarantee you, you will, you'll show birds and uh, you'll want to show birds. And so rather than, you know, get all cursy and all that, because we don't want to do it the world's way, what you do is you just go like this and you just yell, you just pick the one you think it is. That's all you do, right? So that's a joke. Okay. Man, you guys are like so serious. This one lighting up, man. I'm going to start telling dad jokes. Seriously. It is Father's Day, man. Come on. It's beautiful outside, too. If we say we're a Christian, he can't do that even, okay? Because that means your heart's not right, all right? If we say we're a Christian, yet we don't actually live like it, I'm not the judge of this, but are you really a Christian? You know, uh, I'm gonna, I know Isaac and my kids love when they make it into the message on Sunday mornings, um, When Isaac was really young, and it, sorry, I didn't get a chance to ask you permission. Can I share this? Are you okay with that? Thanks, bud. Um, <laughs> when he was really young, when he was two years old, and isn't he fun on the drums? I just enjoy him on the drums. So, <laughs> Even though you're almost taller than me now. Oh. When he was two, he got this really bad virus, and it was called rotavirus, and uh, um, I, I had to bring him to the doctor and I brought him to the doctor and here was his, his body and his, he looked dead and, and his body was pale. Um, he was basically sleeping like 23 to the, you know, hours out of the day. Uh, he was completely dehydrated. His face looked gray and I brought him to a, a clinic over in Ramsey to the doctor and brought him to the doctor and I, I had him sit there with the doctor and, and the doctor's looking at him and, and I'm thinking, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping like the doctor can save him, okay? Like I'm hoping the doctor has medications or something that's going to make this all better. And, and the doctor, you know, doctor's like doing all his stuff and gets done and I'm like, all right, so is it a prescription? Like what are we doing? And he, and he gets really quiet and he says, I'm admitting you to the hospital. And I'm like, what? I don't want to go to the hospital. Like I got stuff to do. I've got this list of things that need to be done. I've got, you know, other kids that I got to be, you know, one other kid that needs to be taken care of all that. Like what? This, this is like ruined my week. What are you, are you kidding me? And, and so I'm like, all right. So I take him and I go to the hospital. We go to mercy. We check him in and I'm thinking maybe a couple hours, just dehydrated. We'll put the IV in, get him some fluids, all that. It'll be good to go. And, uh, um, they, they do that. They, they, put it IV in and it looks like he's good to go. They take the IV out the first few hours and he goes right back into this state. And this was rotavirus. And, uh, I didn't even know what it was. If you read the back of a Lysol can, it's actually kills this. And, uh, um, we had to be there for three to four days and it took that long 
for his body to recuperate and get back to a working order. The only cool part about that whole story was he was so hungry, it was the first time that I got to go bring us Taco Bell at Mercy Hospital. It was awesome. Other than that, horrific time. It was awful. But here's why I share that story. Think of it like this. Put it in your perspective. You go to the doctor, you get saved. Hey, you, you want it to look a certain way. And then the doctor says to you, you need to do X, Y, Z, or your son's not going to make it. Well, I have a choice to make there. Is it worth it to follow the doctor's orders in that moment or to do what Chris thinks? And I chose to put myself under the mastership of that doctor. That's the difference between Savior and Lord, okay? Yeah, the doctor, it looks like he's going to save my son. He told me what to do, but now I have to do it. I have to follow through with it. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, that's symbolic. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else grateful for that this morning? I sure am. In other words, though, when someone looks at you, if you are crucified with Christ and you no longer live, you know what they should see if you no longer live? What should they see? They should see Jesus. Do they see Jesus? Not just Sunday morning, do they see Jesus at the football field? Do they see Jesus Monday at work? Do they see Jesus Tuesday at school? Do they see Jesus when you're at home with, you know, mom and dad? Do they see, what do they see when they look at you? Do they see Jesus? That's what it says in Romans chapter 10. Paul says this, verse 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is what? Savior? Not Savior, what is it? Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's both together here. I love this. For it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, we confess that we believe it, but if our life doesn't match it, then we don't actually believe it. Did you catch that? Okay. It has to match. They have to be together. You can't have one or the other. They're combined. Now there's grace, especially when if you're, if you're new to Jesus, there's grace. It took me five years to figure out how to follow him as Lord. That's why we're a welcoming church and we're not going to you know, gut punch you when you come in. Well, why isn't your life looking like this? No, we're all at different places. It's our job you know, to catch you. It's God's job to clean you. All right, I'm a fisherman. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? Lord here, confess, say Jesus is Lord. Right here, it means owner or master. Paul's saying that he's not just Savior. In fact, the word Savior only appears in the Bible. You ready for this? 36 times. Only 36 times. The word Lord appears in the Bible over 7,800 times. Okay? Why does God place emphasis here? Savior describes the work he's done for us where Lord tells God what position he He holds in our lives. What position have you given him? What position does he want? Because he doesn't want... God will not take second place on your heart. He will only take first. He's too good for second place. He won't take it. See, salvation is completely free. Well, discipleship and lordship will cost you absolutely everything. Well, it's not very life-giving. It's the truth. It's the most life-giving thing I can tell you because when you follow his ways... Your life is so transformed. It becomes something so uniquely different and passionate that you get to live out. And when you start seeing your kids live it out, it's even cooler as that. Because you see them following the ways of the Lord. See, I'm a first generation Christian in my family. 
And so when I get to see my kids following the ways of Jesus, not because we've crammed them down their throat or, or we've even forced them to be at church or youth group, but we just walked alongside by being an example in our faith walk and how we try to listen to the Lord. It's so much cooler when you see them do it. You know, the other thing that I thought about here is God is not interested in converts. You know, who, how many people have we converted to Christ? He's in, interested in disciples. How many people are we walking along with in life? You know, we do the deep Bible study in, from September to May, and it's one of my favorite things because that's a discipleship thing, man. We go so deep. We're going in the book of Revelation starting in September. It's going to be a little crazy and a little dicey and fun. But we're walking along with people in life. I pray that you here this morning find friends that are like-minded, that you can do life with, okay? Because you get into the world throughout the rest of the week and it's pulling you at every different direction in every different way. And it's so hard to stay encouraged. It's so hard to stay positive. It's so hard not to get negative. Find people within the church that are like best friends. Get to know them. I love when I look on Facebook feeds and I see some of you guys just hanging out outside the church. That's the church. I love it. Now, can I get really, really like super uber real with you for a moment? Okay, this, this is going to be like, out of the eight and a half years that I have preached messages from the pulpit at the bridge, this is probably going to be the toughest thing I've ever shared with you. So I just want to share it. I want to be real with you. And uh, for those of you that didn't give me your permission, I'm sorry. Not really. Because um, I got to do what God wants me to do. And I believe this is what he wants me to share for you today. For some of you today, the next few things I'm going to say are going to be the toughest message you've ever heard in your life. How's that for a claim statement? (laughs) Don't run for the door yet. Some of you, you really like Jesus. You love Jesus. You believe in him. You love his grace, his passion. You love how he obediently went to the cross. You love that about him. But you don't want to become like him. You admire his humility, but you don't ever want to be that humble. You admire what he did, But you, really deep down, if you're really real with yourself, hope that doesn't happen to you. If most of us this morning were actually honest, we see Jesus as this great Savior, but not as a great role model. In other words, I'm glad he saved us, but I'm not going to imitate my life like his. He gave it up. He gave everything up. He gave it all away. That's That's a hard thing to swallow. John, though, chapter 2, verse 6, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. It's one of the scariest verses for me in the Bible, right here. Whoever claims to live, if you claim that you're a Christian, it's not optional here. You have to live as he did. Humbly, self-sacrifice, giving it away, following God as our master. It's a scary verse, even for me, because there's no gray area here. It's pretty black and white. There's no opting out. It's not optional. And so maybe maybe I can admire him, and my life look nothing like him. I can't do that. Maybe you really, really like Jesus, but you, you just don't desire to be like him. And what would people know about Jesus? And here's the the crux of it all. What would people know about Jesus if you were the only representation? of Jesus that anyone knew? Would they know him as he is? Would they know him how he's to be? Would they, when we live for him as master, 
they see that. They see the true Jesus shine. And the world, let me just say this, the world's not afraid of that. The world's attracted to that. Amen. The world's attracted to that. You know why? Because they have tried their own way. I'm going to invite Hannah on up here. They have tried their own way. They know it doesn't work. Come on, stubborn guys. How many have tried our own way and we just know it does? How many, how many of us have ever worked on something and you're stubborn as I am and you leave that, like, the manual of how to put it together in the box? You don't even look at it. And you get done and you got, like, more parts than you know what to do with. And it doesn't work. And, like, I don't know about you, but I hate rework. I hate rework. I hate when you get something done and you got to start it over again. This is why they call it being born again. Because it's like your life is starting again. It's like, oh man, I thought I had it all figured out. And then you have this realization that I don't. I don't know about you, but I'm 40. Some of you are more wise than that. And uh, you're welcome. The, The wiser I get older, the more I realize how much I just don't know. Like you used to think I got it all figured out. <laughs> I don't have it figured out. Because of that, I need to look to that Chilton manual, the Bible. I need to look at it because I need to know what I know. This is what I know to be true, is the word of God. So here's my action step for you. And we're in close this morning. Where in your life, if you just searched right now, and you're going, where is it that you know you are not living for him as master or Lord? Just, just take a moment. Just ask him. Just, just time between you and God. And by the way, he already knows. So just tell him. Tell him. You can tell him out loud. You can tell him silently. Where, where is it? Because we all have areas we can improve in. We all have those areas. And I think God wants us to, I always have a relationship go to that next level. You know, I love baby dedications. We got to dedicate little Mark this morning. And I look at him and, and the preciousness of this child. Doesn't know what wrong is yet. Maybe Blake and Nicole would disagree with me. I don't know. But it's this innocent life. The only way for us to have that innocence is through the salvation of Jesus. Once we receive that, the only way to stay in that innocence is to follow him constantly as Lord. That's the difference. Let me pray for you this morning. God, what is that one thing that you know we have to hand over and surrender to you this morning? It's different for all of us. God, whatever that one thing is this morning, we just lay it at your feet. We just ask that you would take it. You'd meet us where we're at. Maybe that first step for some is saying yes to you as Savior. If that's this morning, I pray that they would say yes to you. They'd let us know. God, for those of us who have said yes to you, would you help us live it out every day? Would you help us be so bold to know that we are representing you everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we do, every action that we have, every conversation that we're going to have, may we think on you as our master, as our Lord. God, I thank you so much for every person here. I thank you, Lord, for little Mark. Would he continue to live his life for you? 
I thank you, Lord, for, for every man in this house. God, you have created them. It says in your word, you've created them both male and female. And God, I know that's probably a countercultural statement today, but it's your word. And God, I pray that these men would live out their calling on their lives. Lord, the dads in this room, would they be an example to their children, to even their parents, to those around them, of living a life for you, surrendered to you. God, would we leave a heritage for you? Lord, help us that one thing, what it is, before we even put our head on our pillow tonight and fall asleep, would you allow us to think that through and come up with a plan of action of how to work that through this week so that we can be one step closer as following you as master and as Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son. It was free for us, then it cost you everything. And now discipleship, Lord, costs us everything and is gracious from you. We give you this morning, we give you this day, and pray special blessing again on every man that is here this morning. Bless every family, every person, as we celebrate today's Father's Day. And God, may we celebrate you, the greatest father that has been the greatest example. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. We pray this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.